great to give every single one of you a warm welcome this afternoon. It has turned into this afternoon, but we are, we are so glad that you are with us today. So thank you for joining us. Really good to see you. And uh, for those of you who may be wondering where the Sarahs are, well, Sarah Hingley is on holiday this week and Sal Whittleston uh, is preaching or has preached uh, down in rugby um, by this point in our service today. So um, uh, please do pray for them, but it's great to welcome you. You'll see that I've got a stool today. And uh, some of you are like, that's because you're getting older. Well, the reality is we're all getting older. Um, but the reason why I'm sat on a stool today is probably because I'm not very well. Oh, forget it, and I tell you what, there's so much more sympathy in the first service. But I have to say, you know, some days you wake up and you think, how am I going to get through today? And I must be honest, today was one of those days for me. If I could have cried off sick, I would have cried off sick today. And I was only commenting the other day that our Alpha, actually, just at the end of Alpha, that I think there's only been once in 26 years of being a pastor of a local church that I've actually rang in sick on a Sunday. And that's because I've been sick on that day, so I couldn't be there. But um, yeah, so hopefully my voice will last out. Um, but by sitting on the chair, it might stop me being a bit more pa- less passionate than I normally am, although it didn't help me in the first service anyway. Um, but I have got um, Tom at the moment, so um, if my voice sounds a bit weaker than normal, uh, that is the reason why. If you've got your Bibles, I want to turn your attention uh, to one verse today. It's Romans and uh, chapter 1. Romans and chapter 1. And um, I'm going to commence to read at verse 16 today. Uh, Romans at chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 16 and 17. Where the Apostle Paul wrote these words, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. I'm sure that those of you who um, come to us regular, that you'll be aware that right now we're in a series that we have simply called Confident. Confident. And you know, we really do believe that the desire of God is that every single one of us would be characterized by confidence. You know, we live in a world today where very often people are not filled with confidence about the future. Right now, there's a whole lot of concern. Even as Verena said in doing our worship time together today, there's so many people that right now are filled with a whole lot of fear, a load of apprehension. Concern of what's going to take place maybe this week. So much fear that fills the hearts of men and women. And yet I believe that for us who are followers of Jesus Christ, that God's desire for us isn't that we'd so much be filled with concern, but rather that we'd be filled with confidence. That we'd be filled with a confidence that isn't based so much on what is going on around about us. A confidence that isn't based so much upon ourselves, but rather a confidence that is based upon who God is. Because the writer to the Hebrews proclaims that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That he is the God who never ever changes. And we live in a forever changing society. And because it's forever changing, because there's a whole lot of foundations there, times seem to be disappearing, that people are filled with concern. 
But I want to tell you the most people that can be filled with confidence more than anybody else. It should be people like you and people like me. Because we know what God says in his word. We know who God is and therefore we can have confidence in who God is. That we have a mindset that isn't so much a coward's mindset. That so often we meet people that have a mindset that says, I, I, I can't do this. It's almost like a coward mindset. But I believe that God doesn't want us to so much have a coward's mindset. But rather, he wants us to have a mindset of champions. Because God has called every single one of us to be champions in him and through him by the power of his Holy Spirit. And today I'm reminded of what God spoke unto Joshua many years ago now. In Joshua chapter 1, God spoke unto Joshua. And he said these words, be strong and courageous. He goes on to say, be strong and very courageous. He goes on to say, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It's almost like God is making sure that Joshua's got this. He says to him, be strong and courageous. He says unto him again, be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Don't know about you, but sometimes we have a conversation in our house. If you don't have a conversation in your house, well, there's something wrong somewhere. But in our house, we have conversations. And sometimes Sam will say to me once, and I'm like, I've got it. And she'll say it again. Sam, I've got it the first time. And then the third time comes. And sometimes we do that with our spouse. We do it with our children. We may do it with the cat, the dog, or the wolves that we live in. But sometimes we just really want to make sure that we get the point home. And for God speaking to Joshua, he really wanted him to get the point. I'm telling you, Joshua, you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. You've got to be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. He goes on to say, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What, excuse me. (coughs) What amazing words that God spoke unto Joshua. And I truly believe today that God wants to speak to some people in this place. And that God wants to say to some individuals, be strong. And be courageous. And it's almost like God would say a second time and a third time, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, I love the fact there's nowhere that we can go from the presence of God. What does the psalmist say in Psalm 139? He said, if I go up to the heights, you are there. If I go down into the depths, you are there, God. There's nowhere that I can go from your presence. You are everywhere. And that's why the psalmist also said in Psalm 23, he said, even though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And I want to say today that no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're going to face tomorrow, you are not on your own, but God is with you. Therefore, Be strong and be courageous. 
do not be afraid and do not be terrified because I am the God who is with you and I'm the God who will bring you through. And Joshua was this man who I believe rose up in, in response to what God said. And as he responded in what God said to him, he knew what it was for Jordan to part. He knew what it was for Jericho to fall. He knew what it was for countless enemies to be defeated. And he knew what it was to march into the promised land and take a whole lot of people with him. Church, what could happen? Can you imagine what could happen? If you and I, if the church at large were people who rose up in the confidence and in the strength of God, we could see some Jordans parted. We could see some Jericho falls. We could see some enemies defeated. And we could march into our promised land and take a whole lot of people with us. Because we are strong and we are courageous in the knowledge that God is with us. Being confident can make all of the difference. Not only to our lives, but also to the lives of those around about us. Confidence breeds confidence. It really does breed confidence. It really does. You know, a few years ago here, it was a a Thursday evening we were having together. And one of our men came up to me, Les, and he came up to me and said, Jonathan, are you climbing Snowden on Saturday? I went, yes. He said, if you're going to do it, I can do it. I want to tell you, I looked at him and I thought, what? Did he climb Snowden on Saturday? With a little bit of help from Dale and I, he did. He got to the top and he came back down again. Because there was something within him that said, if you can do it, I can do it. And I want to say, church, it's time for some of us to rise up and say, we can do this. That we can see this Jordan parted. We can see this Jericho fall. We can see these enemies defeated. We can march into our promised land and we can see the victory in God. Confidence breeds confidence. And if ever there was a man in the New Testament who I believe was confident, not so much in himself, but rather in God, it was the Apostle Paul. The man who who wrote those words that I've just read to you. And the Apostle Paul truly was confident in his identity in Jesus Christ. That as he himself wrote under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, he was a new creation. He knew what it was for the old to go and the new to come. And therefore he was confident in his relationship with God, his relationship in God. If ever a man was confident in the gospel, The Apostle Paul was. And that's what we want to look at today. How the desire of God is that we, as followers of Jesus, that we'd be confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's no wonder that the Apostle Paul was so confident in the gospel. And the reason I say that was because of his own personal encounter with Jesus Christ. It's no wonder that he was confident in the gospel because of the personal experience that he had with Jesus and how his life had been completely and absolutely transformed. I want to tell you the thing that should give us the most confidence in the gospel is our own lives. What God has done in my life is unbelievable. 
It really is unbelievable. What God has done in your life. Look at some of you. And you've been on this journey just a short time right now. It is absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. Could do that because my daughters aren't here. Don't tell them whatever you do. (laughs) But it is so-called unbelievable. And what God had done in the Apostle Paul's life, it was so-called unbelievable. It was absolutely amazing. The personal encounter he had, the personal experience that totally and absolutely had changed his life. I mean, here was Paul on the road to Damascus. Here he was about causing the, the church, as it were, just fall, the church die as it were. He was after every follower of Jesus that was going and he wanted to imprison them. He wanted to put them to death and all of a sudden he has an encounter with none other than the risen Jesus himself. It was like an encounter like no other encounter that he experienced on that day. And on that day, not only was his nature changed, but his name was changed. And I want to tell you that God is into changing people's names. Now, let me say this to you. It doesn't mean that when you become a follower of Jesus that you have to go through a whole lot of legal proceedings in order for your name to get changed. But I want to tell you, when God changes your nature, you need to change your name. And the reason I say that is because some of us have been known by a particular name. When I was a young lad, I was known as Jonathan, the speech impediment boy. I was known as Jonathan, the quiet young man. I was known as Jonathan, the young man who would never, ever do anything with his life. But let me tell you, when you have an encounter with Jesus, he changes your nature. which brings about a new name over your life. No longer am I a sinner, but I'm a saint today. I'm no longer an orphan, but rather I I am a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And for Saul, he became Paul on that day. Got your Bibles turned to Acts chapter uh, 19. Sorry, yeah. No, Acts chapter 9. Sorry, not Acts chapter 19. Acts uh, chapter 9. And I'm going to read from verse 19. Because before that, it talks about what happened after Paul had this encounter. And then verse 19, it says, after taking some food, he regained his strength. I love that. After taking some food, he regained his strength. I want to tell you a little while, I'm probably going to go back to bed, but I'm going to have some food before I go back to bed. And I want to say, men, good excuse to say to your wife, I need some food. Because, you know, it says there that after he'd eaten, he regained his strength. And, you know, a little while ago, I said to Sam, don't forget I'm a man. The reason why I had to say that was because I'm surrounded by women at home. Sometimes I'm surrounded by women in the office as well, but I'm definitely surrounded by women at home. And Sam puts a plate of food out. And I say at the end of the meal, I said, that was lovely. Can I have a piece of bread? And she looks at me and says, why would you want bread? I said, because I'm a man and you've given me the exact same portion as the three girls. Well, not hope, by the way, but the two girls and you and I'm a man. I need more food. So anyway, just by the way, that is. Okay. So anyway, it goes on in verse 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. 
All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. What a transformation had taken place in Saul's life that became Paul. It was incredible that he could stand up in the synagogue and he began to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. That he was the Messiah. That he was the one that had been waiting for the promised one. That he had come to in order to save the whole of humanity, the whole of mankind. It's no wonder then. That Paul wrote those great words and he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. It was his personal encounter, his personal experience, and therefore he could proclaim it. I like how the message puts it. It's news I'm most proud to proclaim. The extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts in him. What a gospel this is. The gospel is good news. We live in a world today where there is so much bad news. I realized that I didn't watch the news yesterday. And so when I was driving this morning here, I realized that it's just about to hit the, the hour, as it were. And therefore, I put on the radio to listen to the news. The only bit of good news I heard was... Can't mention it, but Bear and I are not happy today. But anyway, it was football. It was about West Bromwich Albion winning yesterday. Sorry to mention it, but it was the only good news I heard on the radio. For some of you, that's bad news, but for me, it was good news. But the truth is that we live in a society. Don't look at me like that. Sorry about the villa, but you know, (laughs) keep praying. But you know, we live in a world filled with bad news, and yet we are. We have the greatest good news. Come on. We've got the greatest good news of what God has done in our lives. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. Once I was dead, but I'm certainly alive today. And it's all because of the grace and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, give me the synagogue. And he stood there and he proclaimed the message to the people there. He talked about Jesus. Wherever Paul went, he proclaimed the gospel message. The gospel message that Jesus Christ left the glory and the splendor of heaven to be born in a place called Bethlehem. He grew up a spotless, perfect life. He did good wherever he went. And at the age of 33, he died upon a cross. But he did not stay upon the cross. But rather, he was taken down from the cross. He was placed in a but on the third day he rose from the dead he ascended to his father in heaven he is interceding on our behalf right now the way is open for us to come to God but there's coming a day when the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we will live with him forever and forever that is good news And wherever he went, he proclaimed that message. 
Wherever he went, he could not be silent. He could only say the salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. There's no salvation in no other name but the wonderful, great, powerful name of Jesus Christ. And as he did that, incredible things took place. As he proclaimed the gospel with confidence. I want to tell you, church, it's time for us to get our confidence back. Come on. The enemy has tried to take it away from us. That just like Pastor Sarah spoke last week, he's tried to take, steal our identity. He's tried to steal our confidence in the gospel. The enemy says the gospel is outdated. It does not work today. That is a lie from the pit of hell itself because the gospel has not lost its power. It still can convert people. It can still convict people. It can still convince people today. It has not lost its power. Well, I believe that. It's not lost its power. And it's under fire. And for Paul in his lifetime, he knew what it was to be under fire. That's why he got beaten. That's why he got flogged. That's why at times he got left for dead. Because it was under fire. Because the enemy does not want the gospel to be proclaimed. And yet I believe it's time for us to rise. It's time for us to arise in a confidence in the gospel. All that God is longing and looking for is a people who have confidence in the gospel and proclaim it with confidence. We need to talk about what God has done in our lives. You know, there's people who are sat here today and they're sat here today because some people are willing to say, this is what God has done in my life. And sometimes we just go around and people say to you, well, you seem like you've got it all together. You seem like you've got real peace, you've got joy. And yet what's going on in your life seems really, really difficult. How come? Well, I'm not sure really. Come on. We've got to tell them the reason why we've got joy and peace in the midst of the storm. His name is Jesus. And we've got to start talking about it. We've got to start proclaiming it to those people around about us. But I can't do it because I'm not like you, Jonathan. Praise God that you're not like me. And praise God, I'm not like you. Praise God, we're not all the same. We don't need all the same. Because the reality is that you can move into circles that I can't move into. Because they accept you, they won't accept me. You can get into office blocks that I can't because I haven't got the pass. But you have. You've got passes into into shops that I haven't got. So I can't afford to shop there. You've got passage to go wherever you're going to go. I haven't, but you have. So we don't need simply to be replicates of each other. We just need to be who God has called us to be and to go with the good news message. But I can't do that. Have you been filled with God's Holy Spirit? If you have, you can. If you have, you can. Because this is why the primary reason that God gave his Holy Spirit to his church. Let me just blow your bubble. He didn't give his Holy Spirit simply that you feel goosebumps. That you shake, rattle and roll and fall over all the time. That was not the primary reason that he gave you his Holy Spirit. If all that stuff happens, enjoy the moment. But let me tell you, live out of the moment. Live out of the moment. 
Live out what it's all about. And it's all about giving us power for witness. What did it say in Acts 1 verse 8? You will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here is Peter. In many ways, the man who at one point had been a coward. The man who at one point had... I disown the Lord Jesus Christ around a fire one day as Jesus is in trial. And yet there came a point when they were waiting for the, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, when they're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, there was a suddenly that came from heaven. And suddenly they came when the Holy Spirit came and blew into that room like a mighty rushing wind. God, let that be one of those days today. God, that even right now, God, that you'd come by the power of your Holy Spirit in this place. That God, that you take me by surprise. That you take all of us by surprise. And some of you are like, well, I don't like surprises. Listen, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And he longs to give us the gift of his Holy Spirit, primarily in order that we'd have boldness. In order that we'd be confident that we'd be able to be his witnesses. And I love the fact that on that day in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. That's what the Holy Spirit enables you to do. He enables you to speak. I love that. He enables you to speak. And here is Peter, this one who'd been a coward previously, And yet he stood up on that day and he proclaimed, this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to declare this incredible message about Jesus' death, about his resurrection and his ascension to his father in heaven. It was truly the Holy Spirit that enabled people to speak with such confidence. And I believe that today that God wants to fill every single one of us with his Holy Spirit. That we'd be confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we wouldn't be people that keep silent when we should speak out. That we wouldn't like to hide our light under a bushel. But rather we would let it shine because we are confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's an enemy that wants to keep you and I silent. There's an enemy who wants us to hide and just do life together with a whole lot of lovely followers of Jesus where nothing bad happens. Actually, I found that sometimes you get more problems when you just stick around them. You know why? Because we were made for battle. You know, very often when the British soldiers get into problem and maybe the American soldiers, whoever it is, it's not when they're fighting the enemy on the front line. It's when they're back at the barracks and they start to drink too much. And they start to womanize too much 
or menize too much, whatever the terminology is these days, and they do all that stuff, that's when the problems happen. Church, we were not made to be confined because that's when we get into difficulty. But when we're on the front line and we're doing what God has called us to do, we may get into difficulty, but I'll tell you, we stand shoulder to shoulder next to each other and we see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But he gave us his Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the team to start to make their way back if they can. That'd be great. And sometimes it is difficult. You know, I've had a bit of a strange week this week. This week I've done two funerals. That, that's not like what I would probably normally do. It does happen sometimes. But this week I've done two funerals. And the one funeral I did on Wednesday was I, I drove up to Manchester. And I drove up to Manchester because my, my, my dad's brother's wife, so my auntie, had passed away. And my, my granddad passed to the church in a place called Moston in, in North Manchester. I never met my granddad. He died before I, I was ever born. But long story short, the family decided they wanted to take Auntie Barbara back to that church. And on Wednesday, I turned up in Manchester, left here early in the morning and got up there and just went to that place and stood outside the building and looked up at the building and it, it said 1946, I think it was. It's like, that's probably when my granddad actually was pastoring this church, when it was first opened. And then my family, my wide family, the family that I haven't seen, many of them for years, some of them I've never met in my life, began to gather outside. And my uncle, who I saw early in the morning, comes in a wheelchair. And my uncle's broke his back in two places. And I've stood at the front, the coffin in front of me, and, and uh, his son-in-law comes to me and says, uh, Uncle Terry, as I know him, wants to lie down on... He needs to lie down. He's in so much pain. I'm like, what do we do? And what happened was we literally lay him down at the front of that building. As he lay there in agony, as he's winching right away throughout the service. But I'm going to tell you, I had a time, I stood there and I thought, you know what do I do today? Do I hold my light? Do I hide it? Or do I stand up and do I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know what I did? I stood up there and I proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I proclaimed there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I looked over my Uncle Terry and I said, Uncle Terry, I said, you're back here today. Well done for bringing your wife back to this place. I want to tell you, Uncle Terry, that no matter what you've done in your life, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Uncle Terry, God loves you. Uncle Terry was a man that went, my dad, my dad was one of three. My dad followed Jesus all his life. Many of you know, as pastor for many, many years. My uncle Keith, who's now passed away, he was a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ. He preached the second coming wherever he went. And pastor churches in the UK and, and America. But Uncle Terry was the, the so-called black sheep of the family. 
who went and lived his life in a particular way, ended up in prison and ended up messing his life up. But in his latter years, he began to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ again. Nothing, Uncle Terry, can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I proclaimed it over his son life. His son, who again has spent time in prison. And he said to me back after the service, he said, Jonathan, can I book you in for mine? I mean, what do you mean? Book me in mine for my funeral. I said, well, well, maybe, I don't know. Because I don't know, you may outlive me. Because the reality is none of us know. Even though he's 16, I'm 49, thank you very much. I said, none of us know. And I said to him there and then, because his, his partner said, you, you know, I can't live life without God. I said, you can't live life without God. But whatever you do, don't die without God. And you may say, but John, if that's okay for you to do that, do you really think so? I find it quite difficult, actually. It's not easy to do it in and of yourself. And on Friday, I went to a, another funeral and led this other funeral of a family that I'd only met once when I went to sort the service out. And I stood there on Friday in the, in the crematorium at Woodlands out the Collector Roadway. And never been to that crematorium before. And I, I stood there in front of about 80 people. And I'm like, man, it's only me who probably loves Jesus here today. I feel like Daniel in the lion's den, but God, you are with me. So come on, here we go. And I proclaimed the gospel to those people. A man came to me afterwards and said, I thought when you're speaking today, I thought you were going to burst into tears. I think I said to him, it's probably because I've got this tonsillitis, mate. I'm not sure. But I tell you what, I was light in the darkness. I went back to the wake afterwards. I didn't want to go back to the wake. But you know what? I'm not going to hide my light under a bushel. I'm not going to just go and, and get in my car and drive off and get a Tesco sandwich somewhere and enjoy my own company. I'm thinking there's a lost world that needs to be one with the love of Jesus Christ right now. And come on, some of you are looking really uncomfortable right now. You're saying that's not for me. Why isn't it for you? I'm not talking about all of us being the people that lead a funeral service. I'm not talking about all of us talking to masses of people because not all of us can do that. But all of us can smile at somebody. All of us can have eye contact with somebody. All of us can show the love of God through our words and through our actions. And you may feel like you're in a den of lions right now. But don't forget, Daniel fought that he was alone, but he wasn't because God was with him. I want to say today, when you go home and you've got a whole unsafe family that surrounds you, you are not on your own because God is with you. When you go into the office place tomorrow, you are not on your own because God is with you. When you go into your school, into your college, university, wherever it may be, you are not on your own because God is with you. And the God that caused the mouths of the lions to be shut can cause the mouths of people around about you to be shut, to dishonor, and they can begin to honor and glorify and magnify God. Because that's what happened for Daniel. The people that tried to shut him up began to praise the God of Daniel. Come on, church. God is so good. So I'm going to invite us to stand together right now in God's presence. And I'm not going to ask you to, to respond going forward today. But right now, if you're saying, God, I want to have more confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we just lift up your hands right now. 
I'm lifting my hands up because God, I want more confidence. And God, I just pray, Lord, for a mighty move of your Holy Spirit to take place here today, God. I pray, Lord, for your Spirit to come and impact every heart and every life today, Father. God, we are your ambassadors. We are the people that you've called for such a time as this. And God, I pray, Lord, that for some of us, the enemy has shut us up. For some of us, the enemy has caused us to live in a place of fear. But God, I pray today, Lord, that we would not live in that place of fear any longer. We would not be filled so much with concern, but we'd be filled with a confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We stand upon the gospel today that Jesus Christ died, that Jesus Christ was buried, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that Jesus has ascended to our Father in heaven. And one day, He's going to come and take us home, Father. May your good news grip us like never before. That we cannot be silent, but we'll have to speak it out. We'll have to show it out because of all that you've done in our lives. God, let it be, I pray, Father. You know, we're going to sing this song that I really felt heavy on my heart this morning. It wasn't on the list, but I spoke to Karen. And it says about break these walls down. You know, so often we're saying, God, break the walls down of people. But let me say to you, the biggest walls that need to be broken are are our walls. We need our walls to be broken down. Because so often people out there are just wanting to hear. They're wanting to know. Don't get me wrong, I know there's certain people that don't want to know. You know what Jesus said? Shake the dust off your feet because you'll always find somebody who wants to know so shake the dust off your feet sometimes and move on because there'll be somebody who wants to know there were certain people in the wake on Friday that I thought you know what nah nah but you know what I'm going over here because over here there's some people from Liverpool and I just know that these people were ready to receive me there's some people over here who lived in Castle Vale and they were ready to receive me. But God, break these walls down. So we're going to make it our prayer today. Let's do that. Thank you.